Thank you for tuning us in here Sunday night, August the 20th, 2023, the 3rd of Elu, 5783 of the Hebrew calendar. Hi, I'm Daryl Bailey, Service for Christ, as we get back into our Ezekiel uh, series, New Heart, New Spirit. This is the 30th in this series as we continue on in Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 1 through 31. Here, as we look at the book of Ezekiel, uh, we're reminded that it's for those of us who have grown complacent or cold in our walk with God, a new heart that outlines how God desires to bring us closer to him. As we look at the book of Ezekiel and how that his name means God strengthens, we look at the weakness of the leadership here tonight uh, as uh, we realize of all of uh, the weak leadership of the kings from the 609 B.C. all the way down to 586 B.C. of Zedekiah, that there was a weak leadership in that time frame. And so we know that the book of Ezekiel tells us in Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 19 and 20, and I will give them one heart and I will put a new heart within you and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh, give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them and they shall be my people and I will be their God in Ezekiel chapter 11 verses 19 and 20. And then also uh, later on in Ezekiel 36 verses 26 and 27, there's a similar verse that refers to what we call our series, new heart, new spirit. He says a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and you shall keep my judgments and do them. And so here's we come to uh, uh, the uh, God saving his people from the bad leaders. You know, this is the 13th prophecy that God gives to Ezekiel that runs all the way up until Chapter 39, the 13th prophecy. As a shepherd should, he says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. A shepherd sacrifices a lot to care for a flock of defenseless sheep. I know in over 20 years, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of time for me, myself, and I. Wasn't much a uh, time for a lot of anything. Uh, there's a lot of devotion that uh, that you give and and. Uh, sacrifice and that's what uh, a pastor or a shepherd the duty calls for you know here we see god saving his people from bad leaders and so the lord moves the narrative carefully away from the story of judgment toward a story of restoration what god tore apart in chapters 1 through 32 here as we started last week he now explains how he will restore in chapters 33 to Ezekiel chapter 48. And so here God saving his people from bad leaders, riches that are at the expense of the people, self-serving hearts, desire to accumulate comfort. This is how these leaders are today. And so we're reminded of the 10 worst world leaders of all time. These 10, there's a whole lot more that comes with this, but these make the top 10 of the worst world leaders that ever have been. 
Some of these have killed more people, some of their own people, more than anyone else could ever, whether famine, disease, cancer, or any of the other uh, pesticides or all the other horrible things that can, uh, genocides that these ones right here, oh my goodness, are some of the, the worst of all. And as we focus in, that a shepherd sacrifices a lot to care for a flock of defenseless sheep, we see that in Israel's day, the shepherds saw their positions of power as an opportunity for wealth and comfort. They were taking advantage of the sheep, consuming them, taking their wool, uh, so to speak. They were, those who were sick were not being healed, and those who were broken were not uh, being bound up, and those scattered were not brought back. And so in the terms of an analogy, the Lord is saying that as the people wandered away from the Lord and were harmed by their sins, the leadership did nothing to rescue God's people. They didn't chase after them, correct their mistakes, cancel them on better ways, lead them in a better direction. Instead, they manipulated the people. They became rich from them, ultimately used them. They treated them without care or love, dominated the sheep rather than protecting them. And without a true shepherds, the flock of Israel became food for beasts and they were scattered. That was a, an apt description of Israel in exile with the Babylonians. They were scattered from the land, consumed by violence and disease because their uh, uh, sacrifices uh, were not pleasant to the Lord. They didn't worship him. And so their shepherds, their leaders mistreated them. And even now the Lord says there was no one to search for them. And so here we see God saving his people from bad leaders, amen. Exploiting and abusing the sheep in verses 1 through 10. And so, the bad shepherds, the leaders, verses 1 through 10. Let's pause. Father, I send your word out to the many that have a need for all the families, Lord, that are going through tough times. Lord, for our nation and the leaders that are just accumulating wealth for me, myself, and I. They have got so rich off the American people, it makes me sick at my stomach. Lord, there's been uh, so many of, of uh, politicians that, Lord, they've went in poor and come out the richest of the richest because they have not looked out for the interest of the people and the leadership of this country. They sold us out. And so, Lord, Ezekiel was able to get his voice back. And he was, when he was, uh, he always preached, Lord, the word that you wanted him to preach, but he could not carry on a conversation on his own until last chapter. And so, Father, he dramatized the message. And now, Father, I pray, God, that, that there's many leaders out there that need to take notice to this message. Because, Father, they are far off from caring for the people and doing a good job in their position. Somehow or another, they've crossed the line. They went too far. And, Lord, they took an advantage of the American people. And, Lord, they have lied. They've stolen. And they've done everything they could to manipulate, to get richer. And, Lord, if we all knew, we wouldn't really want to know because, 
it would be such a sin and a devastation of what they've done. Lord, I've got enough devastation in my own life, let alone listen to these politicians' devastation, that, Lord, that they don't even have peace of mind or heart. And so I pray for the leadership of this country. And, Lord, I don't pray one-sided. I don't pray thinking that, that, that one political party will be better than the other. But, Lord, uh, it's the choices, whether whatever the party is, that, Lord, that they make that are bad for the people in this nation. Lord, they're, they're not looking out for the people. They're not looking out for the common man. They're not looking out for the folks out there uh, from uh, working a, a, a job every day, six days a week, Father. And, Lord, still not making enough to keep their cells afloat. And so, Lord, I pray that, Lord, that you will uh, take this nation and rip it out of the hands of these bad shepherds as you're doing in the book of Ezekiel. Rip it out, rip them totally out and put them out of the way to where they cannot do any more damage because the last 15 uh, or so years, there's been so much damage that's done that it's almost irreversible that this nation is sinking down in the quickest quicksand that it could ever sink into because of the leadership. And so, Lord, I pray for this nation. I pray for a lost generation. I pray, pray for these millennials, Lord, that uh, they're so vain, uh, Lord, today. They're so vain, they don't even turn on the turn signal to know which way, let somebody else know where they're going. Lord, they, they, just, they can't even sign their name. Lord, but Lord, they are our folks today. And Lord, they're the only ones that we've got to depend on as we grow old, that they're to carry the nation the way we've carried them over these past years. And so, Lord, it's our duty to pray for them and to pray for all of those that are in leadership. No matter what we say, Father, we sincerely pray for their souls, for their salvation, and Lord, for their wisdom to get on track and Lord, to get on bound to be able to be able to be in the meeting in the air. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And so we look and uh, we begin to realize uh, that the bad shepherds and the leaders or the pastors as uh, another term. Here we see in verses 1 through 10, the Bible says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Here is Ezekiel. Here is God's word to the shepherds of his people. And here in verses 1 and 2, the accusation against the unfaithful shepherds of Israel, a haven for the healing that is needed. And so here's a picture of God saving his people from bad leaders. You know, bad leadership damages any organization or any nation. The very least damage that bad leaders do is to slow down growth or to impede the progress of this nation. Bad leaders usually damage the lives of people. They cause hurt, injury, loss, and in some cases, destruction and death. And a lot of them probably would be uh, George W. Bush that was on there. Uh, he was past the 10 worst, but a lot of them blame him for the devastation of uh, all the people in the Twin Towers. You know, uh, whoever a leader is, they have to take responsibility for what takes place during their leadership time. And so we remember and look and realize that Ezekiel had already issued God's indictment of Israel's leaders back in Ezekiel chapter 22. As with any nation that collapses, but leadership was one of the major causes 
uh, for Israel's downfall. And the Lord uh, had a very special message for the bad leaders who had led Israel down the path to destruction. But in the message, the Lord also had a wonderful promise for the discouraged. The despondent exiles, the Babylonian army had totally destroyed their nation, crushed any hope that they had of returning to their homeland. But a day was coming when God would return his people to the promised land and give them a good shepherd. And so we see the bad shepherds, the leaders in verses 1 through 10. And out of this, Ezekiel discussed those bad leaders down through the centuries Israel had a string of bad leaders, one after the other. Only occasionally did a good leader appear on the scene. Any leader who took the throne of Israel should have cared for, protected the people, but with few exceptions, most of them exploited and abused them. And although the people were guilty of a horrible sin, the leaders bore the greater gift. As leaders, they were to set an example in exercising uh, benevolence and executing justice in society. But the leaders of Israel were anything but what they should have been. And instead of having the highest moral character, they were selfish, they were complacent, and they were unjust. And so the Lord instructed Israel to issue a strong indictment of bad shepherds of Israel in verses 1 through 4. The prophet was to preach against them, point out their terrible sins, and he made uh, five pacific charges against those bad leaders. Son of man, prophecy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say, um, thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? And so they put their own self-interest above the interest of the people. And although the shepherds are supposed to take care of the flock, these shepherds only took care of themselves me, myself, and I, they should have fed the flock first, but instead they fed themselves. They took the best of everything, the best of food, the best of clothes, the best of animals for themselves, the best of vineyards, but they refused to feed and clothe the needy. As we look and we begin to realize, you eat the fat, you clothe you with the wool, you kill them that are fed, but you feed not the flock. Oh man, their faithfulness they were selfish. They fed themselves and starved the flock. Oh, Lord, help. The greed of the unfaithful shepherds of Israel. It would have been a simple matter to have purchased less costly products and used the balance of their wealth to help the needy. But no, these leaders purchased the best of everything and ignored the needy. They lived extravagantly while people all around them were hungry, naked, and sick. Their wealth could have helped ease the pain, the suffering of many people. But they shut their eyes and ears to the desperate needs around them. You know what? And so they did not provide for the weak, sick, or injured. Their work to feed the hungry. Their strength, the weak. Weak through disease to heal the sick, to bind up the brokenhearted. And so here, the disease have you not strengthened, number one. Ye healed, number two, what which was sick. Neither have you, number three, bound up that which was broken. Number four, neither have you brought again that which was driven out. Five and uh, four, and ye had sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have you ruled them. And so, hmm, we see 
They could have used their finances to strengthen the weak, heal the sick, bind up the injured, but instead they used all their money to pursue their own interest. And as a result, the world of that day was filled with the weak, sick, and injured, just as it is in our day today. They did not look for people who had gone astray or gotten lost. When the leaders saw the people uh, going astray, they committed wickedness instead of correcting them. And uh, the leaders failed to lift up God's holy commandments before the people. And so a society of Israel was immoral, lawless, and violent. And so they ruled force and cruelty, acting solely out of selfishness. And so here, heavy taxation, financial bondage, discrimination, persecution of the righteous were common sins of the bad leaders. Their work to feed the hungry, their strength, the weak, weak through disease, to heal the sick, to bind up the brokenhearted, their faithfulness. Uh, as uh, they were proud, they ruled with force, self-will, and not with love. And so, and they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered, amen. And so, the results of bad leadership was catastrophic. Like wild animals, uh, an allegiance of a nation under Babylon's leadership invaded Judah, destroyed Jerusalem, scattered God's sheep throughout the Babylonian empire, and no leader prevented this horrible tragedy. And no leader went to rescue the people. The most of the Israelites were now in exile. And they had no ruler to deliver them from their plight. And so, again, in uh, verse 6, My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth. And none did search or seek after them. And so, their faithfulness, they were ruinous. They wandered through all the mountains of false philosophies upon every hill, pride of intellect, and the sheep became like distracted souls, seeking light and help in other godless religions. And so here we see uh, that uh, uh, they, as they were in exile, therefore ye shepherds hear the word of the Lord, their faithfulness that they were disowned of God. Take heed uh, to thyself. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Take an oversight there of not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. First Peter chapter five, verses two and three. In a few minutes, I'm going to deal with first Peter chapter five as good examples of good leadership. And so, as he tells us here uh, in verse seven, Ezekiel announced God's judgment on all the bad leaders to make sure that there was no misunderstanding about why the rulers were being condemned. The prophet reviewed the charges against them. They abandoned the flock, the people, leaving them to be attacked and plundered. They did not look for the scattered or lost sheep, and they put their own self-interest above the desperate needs of the people. And I, as I live, saith the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became meat to every beast of the field because there was no shepherd neither did my shepherds search for my flock but the shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock therefore all ye shepherds hear the word of the lord and thus saith the lord god behold i am against the shepherds and i will require my flock at their hand and cause them to cease from feeding the flock neither shall the shepherds feed themselves anymore for i will deliver my flock from their mouth that they may not be meat for them and so how does the Lord feel about the shepherd's behavior? The actions that he promised to take. Well, their faithfulness. They were disowned of God. And take heed to thyself. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Taking the oversight there, not 
by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre. You see the point. And so, here, we're told that because the leader's selfish complacency, injustice, and exploitation, that the Lord would stand against these bad leaders, hold them personally accountable for what had happened to the people. And God himself would remove them from their positions of leadership and power, and no longer would he allow them to abuse and exploit the people, a picture of being incapacitated, stripped of all their power and opportunity to exploit the abuse others. They would not even be able to feed themselves. And in no uncertain terms, the Lord declared that he would personally rescue his flock from the oppression and the abuse of their leaders. And so we see the bad shepherds or uh, leaders of that time exploiting and abusing the sheep in verses 1 through 10. How shepherds take care of sheep in the Bible. Shepherds were tasked with a responsibility of protecting the sheep from predators, guiding them to good pastures for eating in suitable streams for drinking. In the Old Testament, we realize that many of the men God called to carry out his plans and purposes were shepherds by trade. Peter's purpose for writing this letter is threefold. Read 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. I won't for the sake of time, but I'm going to hit you an outline on it because it's to encourage believers to remain steadfast in their faith in the face of persecution that they are experiencing, to remind them of the special privilege that they have been given as the children of God, all they do not currently see it or feel it, and finally to remind them as individual believers and as churches how that they're called to live and function in the midst of everything they're experiencing. And so, number one, the importance of the biblical role of elders. Peter writes, so I'd exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of suffering of Christ, as well as partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. The crucial responsibility of elders in verses 2 and 3 of 1 Peter chapter 5, flowing from the suffering Christ endured and the crown that Christ purchased. Peter goes on to say, shepherd the flock of God that's among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock and the eternal reward of the elders in verse 4. At least we think this topic of elders is a negotiable. Peter continues by reminding them, uh, these under shepherds, of who they ultimately are serving and what's at stake. And when the chief shepherd appears, you're going to receive the unfading crown of glory. In 1 Peter 5, 4, and then the vital response of members in verse 5, like two sides of the same coin, for every side of authority, there also must necessarily be a side of submission, as Peter, likewise, you who are younger to be subject to the elder, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, and proud but giving grace to the humble, he says, and so God is saving his people from the bad leaders, and so we see, secondly, the good shepherds and the Lord God himself in verses 11 through 22. For thus saith the Lord God, behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. What do we, uh, what do we learn about the Lord's character from his words? See, God promises to do the work the unfaithful shepherds would not do. And so, here, we see in verse 11, he's going to search for the sheep when they're scattered. And he'll search and he'll seek them and uh, will hear his voice of John 10, 27. And so when you're dealing with leaders and rulers, the Lord speaks with clarity and certainty. 
that in his eyes, every ruler is responsible for carrying out pacific duties, issued strong warnings to all rulers who fail in their duties. And so he goes on, as a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he's among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. Here he delivers them from all dangers of places where they were scattered. Amen. He'll deliver them. The power of the enemy shall not hold them. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and all the inhabited places of the country. And so, as God promises to do the work that the unfaithful should have done, I'm going to tell you, here he brings them back, gathers them together, brings them to his own land, and he does this in order to feed them. And he'll bring them, separate them from himself. I will feed them in a good pasture upon the high mountains of Israel. Shall their fold be? There shall they lie in a good fold and in a fat pasture. Shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel? Here he'll feed them, bring them into good pastures. I'll feed my flock. I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. Here he will rest them, cause them to lie down. I'll seek that which was lost, bring again that which was driven away, and will bind up that which was broken, will strengthen that which was sick, but I will destroy the fat and the strong, and I will feed them with judgment. Here, what God will do for his sheep, he'll bind up the broken, and the broken and the useless members, amen. He'll strengthen the weak, weak through sickness and weariness, amen. As for you, O my flock, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I judge between cattle and cattle, between the rams and he, goats. Here, don't trample the pastor in the foul water, he said, because God's word to his flock and his own people, what God will do for his sheep, he'll judge their cause, and when tempted, annoyed, and persecuted. Seemeth it a small thing unto you to have eaten up the good pastor, but you must tread down with your feet the residue of your pastors, and have drunk of the deep waters, but ye must foul the residue with your feet. He'll judge their cause when tempted, annoyed, and persecuted. And so each and every one of us, when we look, we begin to realize of what God is wanting to do, amen, because God wants to do a great thing for all of our lives, amen. Here in verse 18, that he's telling us about how that God uh, declared that he would execute true justice upon the sheep, that the good shepherd would be a righteous judge who dispensed the true justice in society and Ezekiel made additional charges against the leaders especially the wealthier Jews they had taken the good land for their own pastors and allowed their animals to trample the pastors that belonged to others and so the leaders they took the best water and polluted the rest and they uh, were wealthy that was misusing the resources of the land and so they oppressed the poor and God said that he would execute true justice between the fat and the lean, between the rich and the poor. And so, here, as for my flock, they eat that which ye have trodden with your feet. They drink that which ye have fouled with your feet. He judges their cause when tempted, annoyed, and persecuted. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God unto them, Behold, I, even I, will judge between the fat cattle and between the lean cattle. And here, uh, as uh, God would condemn the wealthy who abused and oppressed the poor, but God also would save his flock, those who truly believed in him. The wealthier, more powerful, 
would never plunder them ever again. He would personally deliver them from their distressful circumstances. And of course, a just and a righteous society is one of the great promises that God gives to every one of us. He will judge their cause when tempted, annoyed, and persecuted, as it says. Because ye have thrust with side and with shoulder and pushed all the diseased with your horns till ye have scattered them abroad. He'll judge their cause when tempted, annoyed, and persecuted. Therefore will I save my flock, and they shall no more be a prey, and I will judge between cattle and cattle. He'll judge their cause when they're tempted, when they're annoyed, and when they're persecuted. Here we see uh, the bad shepherds and the leaders, the good shepherds and the Lord God himself. But it brings us to our third point, the promised messianic shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, in verses 23 down to verse 31, where it talks about protecting the flock. Here, he says, and I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, even my servant David. He shall feed them, and, th and he shall be their shepherd. He'll watch over them. And I, the Lord, will be their shepherd. And my shepherd, David, a prince among them, I, the Lord, have spoken it. Boy, as we look and realize of all the things that are before us, amen. I'm glad God promised to send a shepherd who would be totally different from all the bad shepherds. He himself promised to send the people, the messianic shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, and all those bad shepherds that neglected the flock, the messianic shepherd would take care of God's sheep. Praise God. Hallelujah. The wonderful promise that points to the future kingdom of the Messiah. And the promises spelled out in these verses have never been fulfilled on earth, either for the Jews or the Gentiles. But God promised to send a shepherd king, a descendant of David. And when the Messiah Jesus Christ returns to earth, God will become the God of all the Jews and the Lord Jesus Christ will be prince among the people. And as the prince, he'll feed and he'll care for every one of them. In that day, the Messiah will be a king, a shepherd king of people. God's first Messiah will be the shepherd king. And so uh, the Lord will be the, uh, the people's God. And Jesus Christ will sit upon the throne of God in the city of Jerusalem. And from Jerusalem, he'll rule over all the nations and the government of the earth. And he will watch over them. And I will make with them a covenant of peace and will cause the evil beast to seize out of the land. And they shall dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. Here, he'll watch over them. And I will make them in the places round about my hill a blessing. And I will cause the shower to come down in his season there shall be showers of blessing. Oh, I love that. Showers of blessing. Oh, man, I tell you, what a wonderful song. God's promise to bring blessings and security to his people. What God will do for his sheep. He'll bless them and he'll make them a blessing. And so, the three of the field shall yield her fruit. The earth shall yield her increase. They shall be safe in their land and shall know that I am the Lord when I have uh, broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them out of the hand of those that serve themselves of them. And so, verse 28, and they shall no more be a prey to the heathen, neither shall the beast of the land devour them, but they shall dwell safely and none shall make them afraid. And so, God's second purpose for sending the shepherd king to earth will be fulfilled in verses 25 all the way down to verse 31. The Messiah will establish a covenant of peace 
And this is not the new covenant that Jeremiah and the others promised in Jeremiah 31. Rather, it's a covenant that will be established when Christ sets up his kingdom on earth. So many of the promises of his covenant of peace are not fulfilled by the work of God's spirit in the hearts of believers. Some of these promises can be fulfilled only when Christ himself rules upon the earth. And so God's covenant of peace will be fulfilled through the Messiah. And that peace that Christ will bring to earth will have some wonderful results. Number one, God's peace will sweep the land clean of all the wild beasts, of all the evil people. And God will remove all Israel's enemies from the land and all the land that God, the Israelites, went down through the centuries will finally uh, belong to Israel. Amen. And so here we see in verses 26 and 27 that God's peace will bring showers of blessing upon the people of the land, that it will yield bumper crops. People will be secure, able to work without fear of enemy attacks. And so in verse 27, God's peace will rescue the Jews from the bondage of their enemies. And no longer will the Jews be enslaved, deported, or scattered throughout the nations. But God's presence will cause this people to truly know him. And they would know him by experiencing his peace. And so God's peace will make sure that his people are no longer plundered, is what verse 28 is telling. No nation of people will steal their possessions and wealth. Peace and justice will sweep the entire land. And then God's peace will bring security from the fear. And no person or nation will strike fear in the hearts of the people. But here I will raise up for them a plan of renown, and they shall be no more consumed with hunger in the land, neither by the shame of the heathen any more. And so uh, we see uh, that God's peace will give his people a land famous for its strong economy. Although famine has been a problem down through this, the generations, God will never again withhold rain from the earth. No longer will there be economic slumps of the threats of enemies. And so uh, here... He's the very one that consumes it himself. And uh, we note that God himself guarantees this personal relationship, the promise of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, that will make it possible for people to have a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior. He will abundantly satisfy them with uh, good. And so, thus shall they know that I, the Lord, their God, am with them, and, they, and that they, even the house of Israel, are by my people are my people, saith the Lord God. And so he will abundantly satisfy them with good. Lastly, and ye, my flock, the flock of my pastor, are men, and I am your God, saith the Lord God. Here we look and we begin to realize that God's peace will establish uh, something, abundantly satisfy them with good. And so we realize that as we come to a close, that all the things that God is going to do with the sins of the leaders in verses 1 through 31, we see that while this transpired of the good shepherd, amen, that he was able uh, to do the right thing because the Lord uh, took care of all the leaders that had sin in their life, amen, exploiting and abusing the sheep. And so rescuing the flock is the next thing that he did, amen. And so, last but not least, protecting the flock. Every one of us ought to be praying for the pastor, the leadership, the Sunday school teacher, everyone that's in authority. They ought to be praying for them every single day. And so, as we close out, we begin to realize that everything that the 